But the Lord laid it on my heart to, to preach on this. I was going to preach something else, and then the Lord just kept leading me this way, so this is what I'm going to preach. It's this, this, uh, this sermon is as much a, a warning as it is a, as an encouragement. It's more of a warning this morning than it is an encouragement. I know sometimes I try to preach Jesus Christ and try to encourage you guys, but a lot of my sermons tend to be warnings. But, you know, when you get to preaching out of the Bible and that, that's the only place you're going to preach, that's all you got. <laughs> it's just warning after warning after warning after warning. And now, we were in Sunday school this morning and got to talking about hell and torment, and torment forever, in, in Revelation 14, so I started running verses on hell, and, and, I, and I pointed out that Jesus Christ talked a whole lot more about hell than he ever did about heaven. Amen. You know, Jesus is not the one that told us that there's streets of gold up in heaven. That's the book of Revelation, way into the book of Revelation for that's revealed to us, but Jesus Christ is walking on the earth, he, talk, he mentioned mansions, that's about it when it came to heaven. Everything else is he's warning about hell and hell and you better fear God because he can throw you in hell and hell is a torment and a hell fire. And, you know, we just went through about six or seven sets of verses this morning and it sobers you up. Amen. It gets to make you think, well, what, what's going on? This, this sermon here is, is more of a warning like that, but it's a, it's a warning that a lot of people don't heed. And let's start up there in verse 14. Uh, Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13, verse, verses, verse 14. But when they had departed, and this is Paul, when they had departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets of the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So Paul obviously was a visitor, and they noticed that Paul was a visitor, and his guys were visitors. And what they would do in the Sabbath, I mean, in the synagogue on the Sabbath was a lot like we do. They'd have somebody stand up and they'd have him read out of the Bible. And then after they read, they would exhort, they would explain what the Bible is saying there. And that's what they would do in a synagogue. It's like a, basically a local church. And Paul was in that church and they were reading the Bible. And then they asked Paul, do you want to say something? And this is what Paul says in verse 16. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men, and, men of Israel and ye that fear God give audience. So he's basically preaching this to the Jews there. But there were some Gentiles that would come into the synagogue it's obvious when we get in this story that there's some people that were Gentiles that would come into the synagogue and listen to what the Jews, because the Jews were a blessed people, so they would, they would go and be interested in what God's law had to say, and they were interested in finding God, just like Cornelius was. So he says, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. So he stands up and he starts preaching. And this is what he preaches, verse 17. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers. Chose our fathers. And exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. With a high arm brought he them out of it. So Paul's about to go through the history of the Jewish people. And it's not a very long, it's not a very long uh, exhortation. He's just going to give them a, a brief uh, overview of what God did with the chosen people of God. Which is our fathers that God chose. And he says, verse 18, And about the time of forty years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. So he says he brought them out of Egypt, and they were in the wilderness for 40 years, and God was suffering with them, verse 19, and when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. Now that's basically taking you from Genesis all the way up through uh, 1 Samuel's uh, Judges, and then uh, look at verse uh, yeah, verse 20. And after that he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. 
And after they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised, him, raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony, and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. And that's the interesting thing about David is God always said David was a man after his own heart. So what Paul's done is Paul's started there in Genesis and he's went all the way up to 1 Kings and 2 Kings. And he, what we know of in our Bible is 1 and 2 Kings. And he's preaching that. Now notice what he says there in verse 23. Of this man's seed, talking about David, who's a Jew, hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. Now, what I want to point out to you is, is that Jesus, and Paul's pointing this out too in his preaching, that Jesus, the one, that Jesus Christ that we received as our Lord and Savior so we can get into heaven, that Jesus is a Jew. Amen. And he's pointing that out. And he went through the history of the Jewish nation to point out that that Savior is a, Israel is Jesus. Now, I want to go back up to verse 17. Go back up to verse 17. This is what I want to preach out of this morning. The God of this people, that's Jehovah God, the God of this people of Israel chose our fathers. I want to preach this morning on God's chosen people, the Jews. God's chosen people, the Jews. All right, now turn, turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 7. And I'm going to show you that God's chosen people, and God has a chosen people. He's chosen a certain people. And that people, that nation is Israel, is the Jew. And that's very important to know. It's very important this morning to find that out. You'll find it in Deut Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. Now, Paul just went through this, this, this uh, short exhortation about the history of Israel and the Jew and how that led to Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus obviously was a Jew. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do you realize that you're counting on a Jew's blood to get you into heaven? Right. <laughs> you say, why are you saying that, Brother Keegan? Because so many people have an attitude about Jews. And they call them kites, and they have all these different uh, names for them, and they badmouth the Jew, and they badmouth the nation of Israel, and the world has turned against Israel. This, just this week, uh, that. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister, got up and he gave this long showing how, how Iran is making nuclear weapons and Iran wants to wipe Israel off the map. Iran wants to wipe America off the map. Iran hates Israel and Iran hates America because America helps Israel. And, 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 and Benjamin Netanyahu showed beyond a shadow of a doubt the evidence that they're still making these nuclear weapons. And America had got into this, gotten this trade agreement, got into this pact with Iran that Obama and, and Kerry got us into, which was foolish. And Iran never kept any part of it. And, and Benjamin Netanyahu agreed. I mean, it showed the evidence. Well, Trump came out and agreed with Benjamin Netanyahu. So we got the same evidence. We know the evidence is true. And you had two nations, America and Israel, that, were, that agreed with that. Every other nation was attacking America and Israel. They're saying, well, that can't be true. It might, we need to make sure, including Russia. Russia says we need to keep that pact. And the point is, is that America's on Israel's side. And that's a blessing, guys. That's a blessing to you to know that. That should really give you a blessing that no matter what you think of Trump, and you know me, I bash Trump from up here. I bash every president we get. I bash him good because they're from the world. But one thing you can say good about Trump is he is pro-Israel. 
He is. And that's a blessing to America. He, and he's, you understand, Trump is from New York. And that's where a lot of the Jews are at. So he has a lot of Jewish friends, a lot of rich Jewish friends, and they're the ones that are influencing him to move, move the embassy from, uh, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem where it belongs, that they're, they're, they're making a big deal about that. He did that, and all, their, all the Muslims, everybody started going crazy. France and Germany, they all denounced it. Russia denounced it, and Trump still did it. Praise the Lord for that, Amen. that he still did that, that he was willing to stick his neck out. You know Roseanne Barr, you know she's a big Trump supporter, right? And She's got her show going again, Roseanne or whatever. She's a big Trump supporter, and she's decided she's going to take Trump's side, and she got into it with, who was that, Jimmy Kimmel? Jimmy Kimmel had her on, and Jimmy Kimmel was giving her a hard time for liking Trump, and she, she basically cussed Jimmy Kimmel out on TV and gave him the finger and all that other. But you understand why, you know why Roseanne Barr likes Trump so much? He's yeah, he's American. But you know why? Let me tell you why. She's a Jew. <laughs> and she, she says... It, Trump supports Israel, and I support Trump. And she said Trump did the best thing he could have ever did was move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Roseanne is a Jew. That's why she loves Trump, because she sees Trump as pro-Israel and not pro-Muslim. That's what we had going on with Obama. Obama was pro-Islam. And he was pushing Islam and trying to... He was so pro-Islam that people doubted. He said he was a Christian, but people doubted it. People still started... Were saying he was actually a Muslim. Because he was so pro-Islam. He signed that agreement with Iran. So now look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. For thou... And this is God talking. This is the Lord talking. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee... He's chosen them to be a special people unto, whom, unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Amen. Now, you might say, is God a racist? He is a racist in one way. God is a racist, and he's a racist in this one way. There's only one race in God's mind, and that's the Jew. It isn't white, it isn't black, it isn't, it, it, God doesn't care about anybody else but the Jew. And he's chosen, he says, those people are special. God said that. You, you're reading it with me, right? So that Jewish friend, that Jew that owns the grocery store, or that Jew you meet, or if you know any Jews, God says, I have chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. That's above everybody. That's above Irish, above the Germans, above the Scottish. It's the Jew. It's a Jew. In God's eyes, it's all about the Jew. And they are very special. How special are they? God said in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, He says, I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. How special are the Jews? Well, practically every, every actor, every actress is a Jew. They're full, the, Hollywood is full of Jews. Directors, actors, movie actors. Uh, you know, you can't go anywhere. The bankers are Jews. Most of the rich people in America are Jews. You can't get away from the Jews. They're everywhere. They're just blessed and everything. And, and the Jews are so hated that a lot of these guys, these Jewish men and women, they change their names so you won't know they're Jews because they, they, were, they were so persecuted. They would change their name because they didn't want you to know they're Jews. The greatest director of all time is Steven Spielberg. He's as Jew as they get. It's, uh, they're blessed. They're special. You can't get away from how special they are. Do you realize, and, and uh, I can't remember, do y'all remember who it was that came in talking about Haim Salomon, the, 
the, the uh, banker that helped with the American Revolution, who was that that was in here talking about him? Y'all remember him? Who was that that was in here talking? Because they had it right on the money. But they came in talking about his name is Haim, I call it Haim, I hope that's how he's pronounced it, Haim Salomon. And he was, he, was a, he was a banker during the American Revolution. He gave money to Washington. He gave money to the American government. He gave money so we could have an American Revolution. It was Haim Salomon. You said, he was a Jewish banker. Do you realize, Google this up. I'm not making this stuff up. Just Google it. It's not, this information is not hidden. You can Google this guy's name up, Haim Salomon, and I'm going to tell you, if you read it, you're going to find out, if it wasn't for this Jewish banker giving us all the money, there would not be an America. Because whenever they needed money to buy weapons, to buy bullets, to buy all this stuff, George Washington came to him, and he, him and George Washington were very good friends, and he gave him the money. Almost debt-free. He didn't have to pay it back. Some of it he did get them to pay back, but there's no interest. He just gave them the money. The, 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 the America is here because of a Jew. Yeah. One Jew. Yeah. <laughs> you, it's not, you know, but we have, it's Washington, D.C. It's, it's all, I mean, it's, it's George Washington. It's, it's all these people, but you don't realize that it was a Jew that really created this nation with his money. And, and the U.S. government knows that, and they had some stamps come out. And they had him, and they had a stamp of him as a little commemorative stamp. And on the bottom it said, financial warrior. <laughs> like it said, like financial, like warrior. Like, it, it, you know, it, it wasn't, he was a warrior, but he was a financial warrior. He's the one that gave all the money. And you know what the world's all about. It's all about money. If you don't have the money, you can't do what you want to do. And he, if it wasn't for him, there would be no America. So it says there, God says, I chose thee to be a special people, the Jewish people are a special people. And there's a blessing and a curse to these people. You need, this is the warning I want to give you this morning. There's a blessing and there's a curse to these people. God said in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, And I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse him that curseth thee. Amen. That's, the, that's, that's the warning, guys. You want to be blessed? You better find a Jew and you better bless that Jew. You want to be cursed? You better find a Jew and you better curse that Jew. It's just real obvious. How does God work? That's how he works. Look at verse 7. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people. For you were the fewest of all people. God says, I didn't choose you because y'all were the greatest nation or y'all had the most people. God says, that's, as a matter of fact, I love you and I chose you because you were the fewest people. You're just a little bit of the little bitty Jews. And I said, I'm going to pick those people to be a special people. That's what he says right there. Verse 8, But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. You know what God just said there? He said, I did all of that with Pharaoh and part of the Red Sea. I did all of that because that's what I promised Abraham. See, God's a promise keeper. <laughs> and when God says, I'm going to do that, He will do it. Amen. And when He makes a covenant with you, you might break that covenant, you might not keep that promise, but God will keep His promise. It might be 400 years later, but He's going to bring you out of Egypt because He said He would. That's the kind of God we're serving. And He's, he's attached His name to a people called the Jew. Know therefore, verse 9, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God. 
the faithful God, the faithful God which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Man, you love God? God says, I love you too, and I'm going to keep my promise to you, and I'm, I'm the kind of faithful God that is God, and I will be able to keep my promise. And if you love me, then I'll keep his commandments to a thousand generations. He said, this is the kind of people that you're going to be, and you're going to be there for a thousand generations. That's a long time. That's a long time. But look at God in verse 10. Here's what God says about himself in verse 10. And repayeth them that hate him to their face. To destroy them, he will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. Amen. That's a scary verse right there. You know, where yeah, these people walk around. I don't believe in God. If there really was a God, a God, I hate God, and I don't want you know. You know, well, see what they don't realize is they're talking the trash. But there's going to be a day, one day, God's going to show up. Amen. And God says, I'm not the kind of God that does it behind your back, and you're walking along, and just He says, I'm gonna. And you know what? I got a book at home, a real interesting book on the, on the deathbed. Deathbed confessions. And it's, it's the last words of people who are dying. And I've got these, these atheists and these, uh, these agnostics and some of the last words they say and stuff. And the nurses have them recorded. And it's, it's interesting to see them. Their eyes get about this big. And they go, oh God, oh God, oh, oh. And they die. I know what's happening. I'm here to get you. Amen. I thought you said this and this about me. And repayeth them that hate him to their face. I know a lot of people that hate God. To destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will. He will repay him to his face. Amen. <laughs> there's going to come a day for some of these people that are running their mouth that they're going to wake up and there's God. And he's not going to be way, way off in there. And they go, oh, I can see God. No, it's going to be God right there face to face. What would you say about me again? Oh, yeah. I know, you know, there's nothing that drives me crazier, man. I've seen, you know, y'all grew up in school. Y'all know what this is like. I don't know. Maybe it's a, it's a little tamer maybe in high school than when I was in high school. But, man, there were fights break out all because cops never got called. But nobody carried guns and knives either. Just people fist fought all the time. But there'd be always something. So if I ever see somebody, I'm going to whip them. I'm going to whip them this, that, and other. And then there'd be that guy show up and he said, what'd you say about me? Oh, I didn't say nothing. Yeah, you did. And there'd be somebody else speak up. I heard you just saying, <laughs> I heard you just saying something about them. Oh, I, I, I didn't really mean it. No, you don't ever talk about me like that. Bam. And punch him right in the face. I said, no, that's what God's going to do. You're going to be, oh, that, And God's going to show up. What'd you say about me? No, 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 you said it, and I'm going to destroy you for it. That's God. But he also is the God of verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him. Amen. You can get on the love side of God, or you can get on the hate side of God. Amen. You can get on the heaven side of God, or you can get on the hell side of God. Amen. It's either way. It's your choice. God gives you the choice. I mean, if you think you're man enough to pull yourself up and stand up and bow yourself up to God, go right ahead. It's a free country. But I'm not going to do it. And I'm here to warn you that God's chosen a special people. And He's put His blessing on those people. And He says, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Amen. That's what He told Abraham and his children. Look it up. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 9. Let's move along. I'm, I'm taking up too much time. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 4. 
So you say, well, the Jew, they're so special. Yes, they are special. They must be a very good people. No, they're not. <laughs> well, I'll just go ahead and tell you, the Jewish people are not very good people. They're not a very righteous people. As a matter of fact, the Jewish are pretty, pretty wicked people. Look at verse 4. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 4. Speak not thou in thine heart, after that the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee, talking about the people that are in the land, saying, It was for my righteousness the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land. But for the wickedness of these nations the Lord doth drive them out from before thee. Not, look verse 5, not for thy righteousness or for the uprightness of thine heart dost thou go in to possess the land. See, God had promised them land. But for the wickedness of these nations the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee and that he may perform the word which the Lord swear unto thy fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know what he says? He says, you're no good. And don't get in your heart that you're a good people is why I'm bringing you in. I'm bringing you in, number one, because these people in this land, my land, he says in another part of the Bible, he said, this is my land. He said, these people on my land are wicked. So I'm driving them out. And I'm bringing you in, not because you're anything good, but what does he say? Because I promised your fathers that I would do it. <laughs> See? He said, you're no good, but your fathers, I gave them a promise, so I'm a promise keeper. See the end of verse 5? And that he may, look, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee, and that he may perform the word which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the fathers of the nation of Israel. He says, I don't want you to think it's because you're good. It's not your righteousness. Now look at the very next verse. Understand therefore, this is God speaking, understand therefore that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess it for thy righteousness. For thou art a stiff-necked people. He calls it and says it like it is. <laughs> he basically says, you know what? I, the only reason I'm doing this is because I promised it because you're a sorry, no good, stiff-necked people. Amen. And if you know a Jew, that's usually what you're getting. Man, a stiff-necked, hard-headed, won't turn their neck and everything else. But you better not curse them. Amen. You better not curse them. That's the warning. See, it'd be easy to curse them. Because, see, you're not God. And you have to deal with these people. And you're like, look at this guy. He's so stiff-necked. He's so arrogant. He's so pompous. He's so, yeah, but he's so special in God's eyes. Amen. And the warning I'm giving you, because this is a good warning, is you're going to be tempted to curse a Jew. You're going to be tempted to cuss a Jew. And God says, I will cuss them and curse them that curse thee. So you need to watch your mouth around a Jew and not get caught saying kite or any kind of derogatory terms towards a Jew because God has put them and chose them and they're a special people. And, but he's not, they're not any more, listen guys, they're not any more righteous than you. The only reason they're special is God is blessing them. Amen. What does this speak to? This speaks to a Christian. We're not any more special than anybody else as a Christian. No. The same stuff that happens in the world happens in a church. Amen. People cheat on each other in the world. People cheat on each other in church. People still outside of the church. People still inside of the church. Sister Alice can give you that testimony. Amen. Everything that happens outside of the world happens right inside this building. Yeah. Well, what's the difference, brother? It's not our righteousness. It's because we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we're counting on His righteousness. See? It's not because of our righteousness. No, not one. There's none righteous, no, not one. It's all because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we're getting into heaven. 
It's not because we're doing some good works. You're not saved by works, amen, Ephesians chapter 2. It's because of God's goodness and His promise that if you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ, He'll count that righteousness of Jesus Christ as your own because you're not righteous. And that's what He's telling the Jew. The only reason I'm doing this is because I promised I would do it. And the only reason you're going to get into heaven is not because you're some goody two-shoes that's living a good Christian life. The only reason you're getting to heaven is because God's good. And God keeps His promise. I have so many people question me about that. Well, they said they're a Christian. and Look at how they're living. Well, yeah, give me your, let, me, let, me, let me follow you around for two weeks and I'll let you know how you're living too. You always, we're always good at pointing our finger at all. Look at how they're, look at what she did. Look at what he did. Yeah, and if you had the same opportunity, you'd probably do the same stupid thing. The only difference is we're going to heaven. Guys, it's not because we're good. If there's any good in Brother Keegan, it's the goodness of Jesus Christ, thanks to the Holy Spirit, producing fruit out of me. Amen. I had this kid riding with me there at work, and I'm telling him all this stuff, and he gets to talk all this stuff he did here in Pretty. And he's telling me all this wicked stuff he did in pretty, and I start telling some stories, and he's like, I just can't believe you would do that. I said, well, because you don't know me. And you don't realize how wicked I am. And, you, and I, said, I said, the point is, is, yeah, I did that as a kid, and if I would let myself do it, I would do it again as, as a grown adult because I'm just that stupid. But I'm praising and hoping through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't do stupid stuff like that anymore. But y'all all know Christians that were living a good Christian life and then they fell off, something happened in their life, and now they're living out in the world. Oh, so they're going to hell now. No, they're not going to hell. God's done promised them heaven. He's a promise keeper, amen? Y'all guys, he's a promise keeper. They made the, they made, he made a covenant with them years ago when they walked down and said, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Savior, God says, all right, you got it. We got a promise. I'll keep that covenant. They might be sorry. They might not be no good. But they, now they belong to the family of God. And God is a promise keeper. He will get them there to heaven. Amen. Now, when they get to heaven, Daddy might have to pull off the belt and start whipping some people. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. We all stand before. Every Christian stands before the judgment seat of Christ. That's when you're going to answer for this stuff. And the Bible says it's not, it has to do anything with salvation. It has to do with rewards. Now, that's another thing. But as far as God keeping his promise, I know God is a promise keeper. And so does the Jew. The Jew knows he's a promise keeper. Look at verse 10. I mean, look at chapter 10, verse 15. I need to move along, man. I didn't realize. You know, you get to, you get to doing this stuff. You say, man, this won't take very long. And now I'm already running my mouth. And Roman, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 15. Only the Lord had a delight only the Lord had he delight in thy fathers to love them. And he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. What that verse basically says is God just chose to love the Jewish people. He just chose it. He had a delight in thy fathers to love them. You say, well, why did God choose the Jewish people? Because God's God and he does what he wants to do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's God, and he's got a personality, and he said, I, I want to choose the Jews. I don't want to choose the Irish or the Germans or the Africans or the Hispanics or whatever you want to think. He says, I choose the Jews. I choose Abraham and Isaac. and J That's just who he chose. If you don't like it, when you get up to heaven, argue with God about it. 
But see, God does what He wants to do. Amen. He does, and if he wants to save me and you don't like me, well, tough, he saved me. And if you think I should go to hell for some of the things I did, you're right. There's some things I've done in my life that I deserve hell for. But guess what? I'm not going. Amen. <laughs> and this is tough luck. And if you don't want to be in heaven with me, tough luck. I'm up there. Praise the Lord. I don't care. God chose me, and he said, I'll save you if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And I did what he told me to do, and he's a promise keeper, and that's where I'm going. And, that, and I don't care if you like it or not. And some people say, well, I don't think that's fair. I don't th well, I don't care what you think is fair or not. I care what God thinks. Amen. And God just has a delight to do it that way. God has a delight to do it that way. And God loves those people that put their faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. That's his son, and that's where, the, that's where you need to put your faith. Turn to, uh, turn to Romans chapter 11. I need to hurry up. Romans chapter 11. So let's, let's get on a little further into this, because I know there's some questions about some of this. Romans chapter 11, because I've been in the Old Testament, right? Yeah, yeah, I've been in the Old Testament. And people think, well, God's done with the Jew. God's done with the Jew. When Jesus Christ came, he's done with the Jew. He's just cast him away. And that's what, the, that's what the church teaches. The Catholic church teaches that. The Catholic, there's a reason why the Catholic church are such Jew haters. It's because the Catholic church doctrine teaches that God's done with the Jew. And God's just not going to do anything else with the Jew. Well, if he is, then he's got a lot of uh, answer to do with a lot of Old Testament prophecy. So that question was asked to Paul. Look at Romans chapter 11, verse 1. So is God done with the Jew? No, he's not. He's not done with the Jew. Look at verse 1. Romans chapter 11, verse 1. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid... For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. What? Ye not what the, what? Ye not what the scripture saith of Elias? How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and digged down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved unto myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. The answer to that is God has not forsaken the Jew. God has not forsaken the Jew at all. Skip down. You see those verses? Skip down to verse 11. God's not forsaken the Jew at all. God said, I've got some people that are left. Look at verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled, talking about the Jew, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Friends, it's only because the Jews messed up that allowed us to get into heaven. It's because the Jews rejected their king, their king Jesus, that we are allowed to get into heaven. It's, if the Jew, it's because the Jews rejected, and God knew he, they would. It's because they rejected their king Jesus that we, we the Gentiles get in. That's a blessing. Even when they're messing up, somebody's getting blessed. Amen. Do you realize what, that, that's, what that's saying? Even when a Jew is messing up, somebody's getting blessed. Amen. Man, it, you, 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 these people are blessed, friends. Don't mess with them. They're blessed. Okay, look at Romans chapter 11. Look at verse, uh, we're at verse 11. Look at verse 12. Now, if the fall of them, if the fall of them be the riches of the world... And it is, amen. Because the Jews fell, that's a riches to the rest of the Gentile world. It don't matter if you're black or Spanish or white or yellow. And the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, 
how much more their fullness. If when the Jew fell around 2,000 years ago, and, the gen, and, and that, because they failed and they rejected the Messiah, and the whole world got in on this, right? Because the Bible says, in Jesus Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. When you get in Jesus Christ, you're no longer a Jew. You're part of the body of Jesus Christ. You're no longer a Gentile. You're part of the body of Jesus Christ. So in God's eyes, when God looks down, he sees three classes of people. He sees a Jew, or he sees a Gentile, or he sees me and you, the church. There's only three sets of people he sees. He either sees a Jew, that's a Jew, that's a Gentile, or that's the body of Christ right there. And if you're a Jew that's received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're part of the body of Christ. And if you're a Jew that has not received your Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're still a Jew, and you're still damned to the devil's hell because you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But then there's a distinction in God's eyes. Verse 13, For I, for I speak to you Gentiles, that's me and you, Insomuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, it might save some of them. He's saying, I'm trying to get them to emulate me. I want them to be saved just like I'm saved. Talking about the Jews. But look at verse 15. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world. See, they were cast away for a little while. That reconciles the whole Gentile world to Jesus Christ, to God through Jesus Christ. Look at the middle of verse 15. What shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Amen. Ooh. So he says when they're received back, that's going to be life from the dead. What happened in 1948? Well, that's when God started dealing with Israel again. They became a nation again. They were officially a nation. They started going back to their homeland. Guys, that's when you better start getting ready. That's why when Israel started coming back in 1948, you've had preachers like me start really preaching hard about it. God's getting ready. God's getting ready to bring it back. Amen. See, and then from 1948 to 2018, a preacher in 1948 that was preaching that, and there was preachers preaching that in 1948, they could never imagine the computer systems. They could never imagine that we're living in a society that's about to go cashless. They could never imagine a society that could literally take the mark of the beast and be a, one man can control the whole world's system. They, in 1948, they couldn't imagine it. But it's here. It's here. We're living in it. Look down at verse 25. Look down at verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. So he doesn't want you to be stupid about something. There's a mystery. What is that? Lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. So God has got a plan to bring the Gentiles into his fold. And he's doing it through the rejection of Israel of Jesus Christ. And now we're taking Jesus Christ and receiving Jesus Christ. But there's a coming a time where God says there, he said that where Paul's saying that, 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 that until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, there's a time where God's going to get all the Gentiles in that he's going to get in. And then that's when the tribulation period is going to start. That's when Israel, he turns his eyes away from the world and back to Israel. That's what we're studying in the book of Revelation. And that's when all hell breaks loose. Because then God's going to make the world pay for everything they've been doing to the Jew. He's going to pour his wrath out. It's a mystery. Why is it a mystery? Because it makes no sense why a Jew does not receive Jesus Christ, the greatest Jew to ever live, as their Savior. That makes no sense. Jesus is the greatest Jew to ever live. 
the great, no, I don't care if you don't even believe Jesus is the Lord God. Just Jesus as a Jew is the greatest Jew to ever live. But the Jews reject him. That makes no sense. And the reason why they reject him is because the Bible says there that blindness in part has happened to Israel. God's put blinders on them. And God doesn't want them all to receive Jesus. But there will come a time, the Bible says, God will take those blinders off, Zechariah chapter 14, and they'll look upon them whom they pierced as the only son. They'll see him as the one that they pierced. And they'll cry out. And they'll say, oh, we've crucified our Messiah. Now, there's some Jews that do receive Jesus Christ because it says they're in part, blindness in part. There are Jews and more and more Jews are starting to receive Jesus Christ. But there will come a time where they will know that Jesus Christ is their king. Turn to Psalms chapter 89. I need to start closing this down. Psalms chapter 89. I want to show you a little bit more about these chosen people. So to answer your question, that's an answer to a question of, did God cast away the Jew? He's done with the Jew because we're living in the New Testament. Uh-uh. That's not what's happened. God's not done with the Jew. God's just set them to the side until he brings all the Gentiles in and then, and then he'll turn his time back. See, when Israel became a nation, that tells you that God's about to start dealing with the Jew again. And that Gentiles are about to, the fullness is about to come in. Look at Psalm chapter 89. I want to show you something about this. Look at verse 3. Just a couple more guys and we'll be done. Psalm chapter 89, Psalms chapter 89, verse 3. I have made, and this is, uh, this is him speaking, I have made a covenant with my chosen. That's Israel, right? And there's a covenant. I have sworn unto David my servant. So there's the chosen people, the Jew. There's a covenant. What's the covenant here? Look at verse 4. Thy seed, David's seed, will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations, Selah. God has made a covenant with those people, his people, chosen people, the Jews. He's going to set up a throne and somebody from the seed of David is going to be on that throne forever. Hmm. Who might that be? Well, if you know the Bible, you know that's Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> it says Jesus Christ is going to sit on that throne. He is of the seed of David. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. He is the King. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He's going to sit on that throne. And God's made a promise to the Jews that that's what's going to happen. Well, it couldn't happen for 1,900 years. Nobody was up in Jerusalem. Nobody was dealing with that. The Jew was scattered all over the world. And the Bible says, in the end times, I'm going to bring my people back. And in 1948, they came back. And they got that land back. And guess what happened? They got that land back. They started rebuilding Jerusalem. They started rebuilding around here. And the Muslims didn't like it. The Muslims said, we got to kill them. And in 1967, they all surrounded them and took over trying to kill them. And God's hand came in there in six days. Jews, Israel had them so whipped back and forth that the UN, United Nations had to come in and stop the Jew because they were about to take over all of Egypt. Yeah, because God's hand came in there and said, these are my people, they're blessed. I want them to stay here. Guys, what I'm trying to show you is you know that that verse has to take place. And when God makes him a nation again in 1948, that's God getting ready to make that take place. Amen. That tells you that we're living in the end times. Amen. That tells you, hey, God is about to do something in Israel. Yes, he is. One more verse. Look at Psalms 105, and I'm going to close here. 
Psalms 105. 105 verse 6. Man, I, I tell you what, I, I wouldn't mess with a Jew. I'm so weird. I'm so weird about a Jew that when Kinky Freeman ran for the state of Texas, the governor of the state of Texas, y'all remember Kinky Freeman? That guy's crazy. He's one of the most liberal guys you I mean, but he was a Jew. And he was a devout Jew. And guess what? Guess what Keegan did? I said, I'm gonna vote for Kinky Freeman. Why did Keegan want Because he's the most liberal-minded uh, guy you ever met. Because I knew he was a Jew. And I know. He said, I'll bless them that bless thee. I'll curse them that curse thee. I'd rather have a Jew running over, ruling over me than anybody else. Because I know God's going to bless them. Amen. Amen. I, I believe this book, see. I, I, believe, I, I believe this book. And I live my life by this book. And that's how I'm going to live my life. Look at Psalm 105. Look at verse 6. Psalm 105, verse 6. O oh, ye seed of Abraham, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his... Look at that word, chosen. We're talking about the chosen <laughs> Jew. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Now look at verse 8. He hath remembered his covenant forever. Oh, there's a covenant. The, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Which covenant he made with Abraham... And his oath unto Isaac, and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law. Okay. So he confirmed this from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. He confirmed this to all the Jews. What is this? And to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Look at verse, uh, verse 10. And confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Verse 11. What's this everlasting covenant? Saying, unto thee will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance. So that's an everlasting covenant forever that the Jew, God's chosen people, they're given that piece of land right there on that map. Amen. God gave it to them. It don't belong to me. It don't belong to you. It don't belong to the Southern Baptist Convention. It doesn't belong to the Catholic Church. It belongs to a Jew. Amen. And they have that land. And a no Muslim... No, uh, no Mohammedan belongs on that piece of land. It belongs to a Jew. And they're God's chosen people. Amen. Lord willing, if he doesn't change my mind next week, I'm going to preach on that, that land. And I'm going to show you all the prophecies that's about to take place on that land. Because in, 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 on this next Monday, the 14th, May the 14th, it's going to be 70 years to the day that Israel got back that land. And if y'all know anything about my preaching and my teaching, that number 70 is always tied to the land of Israel. Amen. God waited 70 years when he was doing things. They were in 70 years in captivity in Babylon. Then he brought them back to the land of Israel. Amen. It's all about that 70, guys. I'm telling you, ooh, there's something that could happen on May 14th with that land of Israel. Amen. God's about to move. I believe it. God's about to move. It's been about 70 years, and God works in those 70s, and something's about to happen Amen. in that land. I'm not trying to tell you, I'm not trying to predict, predict, produce a date and say, hey, Jesus is coming back. I'm just telling you, something's going to happen. I believe something's going to happen in that land this year. And with, with Trump moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and you're seeing this stuff happening, it's, just, it's, pointing, it's pointing to Jesus Christ coming back. That's, that's, it's all about Jesus. It's all about him coming back and ruling. But when he comes back and he's ruling as a king, where are you going to be? Right. 
Are you, amen. Are you going to be with him or are you going to be in front of him? Because the Bible says, boy, if you're in front of him when he comes back, he's going to tread you down like grapes of wrath. He says he's going to stomp you like a grape. That's what the Bible describes. That's the Jesus that Joe Olstein don't talk about. Because there's another side of God we've seen all morning long. The Lord's laid on my heart to preach this. All morning long we've seen two sides of God. There's, there's two sides of each coin. There's a God of love through Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ. But boy, if you flip that coin over, there's a God of wrath. And then he goes and pays them back that hate him. And when he wants to do something and you're standing in his way, he will wipe you off the earth. And when you stand in the way of his people and he's got something to do for his people like he did to those people that are in the land, he came in there and he just wiped them out. Amen. And he said, when I come in there and I drive them out, he goes, I'm going to send hornets and I'm going to send bears and I'm going to send lions and I'm going to make them miserable in that land and I'm going to run them out because that land, I'm giving it to you. So guys, don't stand in the way of a Jew. Amen. Don't curse a Jew. You better bless them. I've shown you they're God's special people that he said God said not me God said I chose them above all people and he's got a plan for them and that plan includes their greatest son Jesus Christ amen, amen. Dear Heavenly Father Lord thank you thank you for loving us taking care of us Father thank you for your land that you have over in Israel Lord and Father I ask you to bless them Jews Father I know you have and Father I pray that you would bless anybody in here Lord God that maybe knows a Jew Lord that they would uh they would find them and bless them, Father God. Tell them about Jesus Christ, Lord. Now, Father, I just pray a special blessing over our missionary, Alan Hearn, that's over there in Israel, Lord God. I ask a special blessing on him and his family as they deal with your stiff-necked people, Lord God. That's what you call them, Lord. You call them stiff-necked. And Lord, we know they're not righteous, but Father, we know you've chosen them. Lord, we know you love them. And Father, we don't want to stand in your way, Lord. We want your will to be done. And Father, there's somebody need the sound of my voice that's never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Doesn't, don't know for sure, Lord, if they were to die tonight, if they'd wake up in, in hell or in heaven, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we give the invitation, may they'll come on down here and put, the, put their hand in the preacher's hand, Lord God, and say, I know I just want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And Father, thank you for doing that for me so many years ago, Lord God, saving me out of this wicked world. Lord, I know I'm not worth anything. Lord, I know I'm no good. But, Lord, thank you for being a promise keeper and keeping that promise that you would save me and keep me. Thank you, Lord, for that. Because I know I'm not worth anything. But, Lord, thank you again for that. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.